1: Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, Happy Monday to you and yours. We have an awesome, fantastic show planned for you today. T.J. Moe, the Show Me Kid, in studio with me here today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Steve Kim, the Korean Cosell, will be here to talk some NFL football with me, as will uh, Coach Jason Brown, Last Chance Q. We have a Fantastic football-related reaction to the NFL Sunday show planned for you today. It's going to be awesome. I had planned a fire starter that I think I'm going to wait until tomorrow to unleash because (laughs) I found some content I just want to address today that has put a smile on my face. The whole uh, Skip Bayless versus Shannon Sharp feud that went on this morning on uh, FS1, we'll get into that. But we're going to start today's show talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who were destroyed by the San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy, 35-7? 35-7? to, 7? <laughs> 35 to 7? Some third or fourth string quarterback just ran through the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? 35-7. The Buccaneers a week ago, escape with a 14 points in the fourth quarter last second touchdown the buccaneers are done they're toast they're no good they, they, they're gonna struggle perhaps even to make the playoffs neither side of the football is playing that great which leads to the question who's to blame tom brady or todd bowles that's the question we're going to uh, pontificate about and ponder first and we'll do that with Steve Kim and TJ Moe we know that TJ Moe is a Tom Brady homer they had coffee together in New England years ago and TJ uh, loves Tom Brady we're not going to get as fired up about this as Skip and (laughs) (laughs) Shannon but we are going uh, to discuss Tom Brady Todd Bowles who's to blame for the fall of the Buccaneers Steve Kim get us rolling who's most to blame here
2: I don't think it's just one person, but I I think both share the blame. Tom Brady, I don't care what the numbers say. I I just look at a guy who looks like he's eroding, and people keep talking about the numbers. Guys, everyone's quarterback numbers in the modern NFL is inflated. But that team, even though they're in first place, they're dead fish. They really are. And if they played Carolina Panthers right now, uh, the Panthers, led by Wilkes, Coach Wilkes, they're doing a hell of a job. They're actually playing some really good football But the Buccaneers look like they've packed it in. And just look at that game yesterday. They looked absolutely lifeless. And a couple penalties. And look, we have to be fair. From the very beginning of training camp, that offensive line was decimated. And now they've had injuries beyond that, which have really hurt Tom Brady's ability to be consistently comfortable inside that pocket. But that doesn't excuse the defense. They got absolutely shredded by a third-string quarterback. Think about that. The third-string quarterback, guy, guys, is the backup to the backup, and you got shredded, and they actually pared down the offense once it became 35-0. That actually felt worse. I'll say this. So on both guys, as it relates to Tom Brady, he looks like a guy that may have to start really thinking, rethinking his plans about playing till 50 just for his own health and the fact he's got personal life going on. But number two, I hate to be harsh about it, but the way this season has looked and how the Buccaneers have performed, I think Todd Bowles has really killed any future opportunities to ever be a head coaching candidate again in the National Football League.
1: Mm. That's a strong statement that I want to get to, but I want to give TJ an opportunity, just your initial thoughts. Who's more to blame? Buccaneers 6 and 7, Carolina Panthers 5 and 8 on their heels. Carolina's won uh, their last two games. They're on a, I think they may be maybe have won three of their last four. The Carolina Panthers, yeah, they've won three of their last four games. They're a team ascending and may end up winning uh, the NFC South. Your thoughts, who's more to blame for this very disappointing Buccaneer season, Tom Brady or Todd Bowles? Steve mentioned that they're in first
3: place, that in this division is the tallest midget. They're six and seven. It's a horrible division. They might win and make the playoffs, and it'll be the worst thing uh, that's happened to them because they'll just get another week to get beat up. Todd Bowles. Is not a good coach we, we've acknowledged this before
1: he no you have don't put we until you've got a mouse in your pocket left. <laughs> all of us have acknowledged every time
3: all of us. All, every time that i bring up hold up todd bowles uh head coaching record i don't have it in front of me right now but i believe he has two separate seasons where he won four games when he was in new york so he's not he had one good year and then outside of that it, it has been pretty rough and so um, there it is, 10-6 first year, 4-11, and 5-11, 4-12. Not a good coach. He's a good defensive coach. And aside from, uh, from their rushing defense this year, this defense is actually pretty good. He had a top-10 defense when he was in New York with the Jets. He's done his job. He hoped, and what everybody banked on was, Tom Brady will handle the offense, I'll have a good defense and we'll be pretty good. And Tom has not filled his side of the bargain. This, to me, if, if we're divvying out blame, you would like a head coach that could oversee both the offense and defense. You didn't pick one. So the guy who's doing his job between these two is Todd Bowles. Tom Brady has been a disaster this year. I don't agree with Steve when when he's talking about his physical abilities eroding. I think he came in fully
1: unprepared for the first time in his career and it's showing on the field. So it sounds like you're putting more blame on Brady than Bowles. All of the blame on
3: Brady Mm. instead of Bowles, because you knew what you were getting with Todd Bowles. He was a defensive coach who couldn't coach offense when he was in uh, New York, and he wasn't going to suddenly be able to coach offense here. You hoped that when Byron Lefkowitz decided to stay and pulled his name out of some of the head coaching searches that they may have some continuity in the offense. But the idea was I will be the head coach overseeing things. You guys do the offense. Tom likes having autonomy anyway. I'll do the defense. and He's actually done a pretty good job. Take yesterday out of your memory because yesterday was not good. But outside of that, they've had a pretty good defense outside of the, the rushing defense.
1: Yeah. I've been on record most of the year that the blame falls on Tom Brady. He skipped 11 days of uh-huh. training camp. He, he got in this feud uh, with his soon-to-be ex-wife, uh, Giselle Bundchen, and, and he's not as into it, and his teammates could see that. And that's always been part of Tom Brady's strength, dominance, is that he's a tone setter he's a culture setter and he took that away from Todd Bowles and this coaching staff that hey look the greatest player of all time he's all in and the greatest player of all time isn't all in with this Buccaneers team and this team has looked lifeless from the very beginning because their quarterback and their tone setter and culture setter has abandoned the team. I wonder though and and Steve, this is where I'll go a cut deeper and talk about the media's role in this, is are we ever gonna see any any reporting around what has transpired in Tampa because of Tom Brady, or because of perhaps, as TJ would argue, perhaps the uh, uh, Todd Bowles being overmatched as the head coach. You would think a team that has collapsed this way Reporters would be out trying to figure out and spell out what has happened, Mm -hmm. but there's fear of Tom Brady's greatness. And so people are very reluctant to criticize Brady. And there's fear of Todd Bowles' skin color. So people are afraid to criticize Todd Bowles. And and I wonder, Steve, you suggest that Todd Bowles may never be a head coach again. Yeah. I'm thinking this fear of skin color means he's going to be Tampa Bay's coach next year okay, that, that well, he's okay. not even going to get fired.
2: Well, that may be true, but I'm talking about when he leaves this job in Tampa Bay, and let's say it keeps trending downwards. Let's let's say they make the playoffs this year and they get skunked in the first round, which I'm expecting to happen, okay? But let's say next year they, they have another six or seven win season, don't make the playoffs, Tom Brady retires, and this thing completely falls apart. And Tampa Bay says, you know what? We have some parts, but that era is over, so we have to completely rebuild. And if Todd Bowles is now on the market, do I think that he'll always have a job in the National Football League, given his status as a defensive coach, as TJ mentioned? Yes, but what's happening or what he is reminds me a lot of guys like Bud Carson or Rod Rust, guys that were really highly decorated defensive coordinators that once they became a head coach, it just it's a different job. It truly is. Look at Dennis Allen at New Orleans. Highly respected defensive coach. As a head coach, he's a disaster, and New Orleans will have a new coach in about five, six weeks here. Okay? So here's the issue with with Tampa Bay. They're kind of in the worst catch-22 situation of any National Football League team because, in my view, you either want to be really, really good, one of those seven to eight teams that thinks for this season and the next or two – because that's the window now, we can win a Super Bowl. Or we're really, really, really bad, and we're talking four to five wins, and we're going to get a top 10 pick, and let's rebuild this. But if you are right in the middle, the den of mediocrity, that's the worst place to be. I'm just telling you, you don't actually want to be in the middle. You'd rather really be really, really terrible and say, you know what, we're going to hit rock bottom, we're at ground zero, now we can rebuild this. But I think there comes a point in time now. I think Tom has to be fair to Tampa Bay, because you're right. Now that I think about it, him taking those days off, sorry, Tom, you've earned a couple of days off. You didn't earn a whole week and a half. There still comes a responsibility with being the captain of this ship. And and in my view, what's that song from Diana Ross, Set Me Free, Why Don't You, Babe? Uh, As long as Tampa Bay has Tom Brady, they have to keep pretending that we are this contender because we have Tom Brady and we're really a Super Bowl contender and look at the product. They're not. I, I, I want to say this right now. I might regret it. Tom Brady, if he really cares about Tampa Bay, which he may not, they should just cut bait and say, Tom, if you want to play football, that's absolutely your right. We just don't want it to be done here.
1: Let me tell you, and that what you just described would be the most dangerous thing for Todd Bowles and his reputation if Tom Brady goes to the Miami Dolphins mm-hmm. the San Francisco 49ers or someplace else next year and wins Uh-oh. it's going to look like <laughs> man Todd Bowles was a disaster this whole so Tom Brady in the best thing to could happen for Todd Bowles is for Tom Brady to retire and not go anyplace else and have success. If he has success someplace else, <laughs> it, it, it's going to smear doo-doo all over Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich.
3: I think the best thing that could happen to Todd Bowles is for Tom Brady to get focused and come back and win. Because I think he could turn this around next year. This year's done. But if Tom, Tom – Tom has no personal life. That, that's done. And so you've given up your marriage for football. Go ahead and recommit yourself to football. And go recruit some guys in the offseason. And if you feel like you have a good defensive coordinator as your head coach, which you do, then go out and tell the guys, this is what we're going to do. I've got two more years, three more years here. Go recruit a receiver. See if Gronk will come back. Go find another tight end if he won't. Get your offensive line solidified. Remember, when he retired, guys left. This isn't the same team that he had. Aside from the injuries, they just don't have the same roster. So the single best thing that could happen to Todd Bowles is for Tom Brady to recommit himself and play.
1: TJ Steve, hold you on. got a reaction to that Yeah, you want
2: Gron- Sugar Ray Gronk to make another comeback? Come on <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, when is, is he not? Been productive. I agree, but there comes a, look he uh, I think Gronk at his apex is the single greatest tight end ever. I thought he was the most difficult matchup. I thought he was the best pure inline tight end I've ever seen. But he, he the, his body is so broken up. There comes a point in time when it's over, it's over. And it seems to me like Gronk, who's never had a difficult time having a good one, seems to be enjoying this. I think it's unfair for Tom to say, hey, guys, I'm going through this midlife crisis. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> me and Giselle, we're sleeping in separate beds. In fact, we're sleeping in separate mansions now. Hey, Gronk, I need you. And if I'm Rob, I'm like, bro, I, I already did this once come on i know let 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 gronkowski enjoy his well-earned retirement
3: there are two guys he
2: could go get
3: they're both young still somewhat not in their prime but young julian edelman's out there and rob julian Ke- edelman
1: hasn't played in two years. two
3: years julian edelman could easily come back and be... And do what? And be the slot receiver they don't have. This is what they're missing. Tom Brady, when he is... They had Cole Beasley if they wanted a minutes, slot
1: receiver. And Cole
3: retired five minutes later. Jason, he had 82 Jason. catches the year before. Uh, Jason, we TJ's on crack right now. Huh? Jason, we need to make this I'm
2: telling you. Jason. Jason, we need to make this meme called... The Brady brothers, like the Blues brothers, were bringing the band back. (laughs) Remember? I was like, come on, TJ. TJ, I'm telling you, with with the offense, with TJ going, I'm just 31. I can still get (laughs)
1: open in the slot. I'm 32. I passed my prime.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you guys, each of those guys would be better than and add some continuity because Tom right now can't hit Mike Evans in stride.
2: Then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give Wes Welker a call. Say, Wes, you got any option routes (laughs) left in you? I mean, come on, TJ. Jeez. I'm Listen,
3: I'm ta- go look at Julian Edelman in his last year, and he was still a dominant receiver.
1: I, I, I dis- Tom Brady needs to go find him an offensive guru. He needs to go find him a Kyle Shanahan or a Mike McDaniel. You know, go to Miami and mm-hmm. throw- Jalen Waddle and, and Tyree Hill get opened by miles. Throw the ball to them. <laughs> you know, you can be inaccurate and they'll wait on their pass or, or they'll catch up to your <laughs> overthrow. I, I, I just, I don't know if, you know, the, the Byron Leftwich Tom Brady combination hasn't worked out. I feel sorry for Byron Leftwich because I think the shine has come off him as a head coach. I, I think the shine has come off Todd Bowles. Again, I think Brady has operated here in a very selfish manner with the retirement and then coming back. And then taking time off, and that it's all been about Tom Brady, and he's put everybody. Nobody looks good on the other side of this. They ran Bruce Arians out of the job before he was ready to retire in order to entice Tom Brady back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great he got that Super Bowl. Thank God he got that Super Bowl, or this whole departure from uh, New England would be seen as a disaster. I, 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 I for Todd Bowles' sake, I'm telling you. Brady needs to retire. If he goes someplace else and has success, Todd mm-hmm. Bowles is a laughing stock and I may join TJ in, in in saying that, you know, he's a bad coach. Because <laughs> some of this and again, I, I I get it that he skipped some training camp, but you'd think by Christmas or by, you know, two weeks out from Christmas, you'd think the Buccaneers would have recovered by now and, and been able to find a rhythm that they just look bad every week even in victories yeah. they look bad it,
3: it you you can't get in a rhythm during the season your rhythm starts in training camp when you can go out there and work things out against real looks and real defenses I think it's very difficult to correct problems mid-season, particularly with what you discuss all the time you the offensive line play there there's no real continuity in what you're doing it's
1: no practice it's, no real practice it's just very and,
3: and I don't know we've, we've never seen a correction on this that it changed but At the beginning of the season, he said, I'm not practicing on Wednesdays. So I don't even know if he's going through the full week of practice.
1: Mm, Yeah, good point. Tom Brady's mostly to blame. We're all in agreement, except for, it sounds like, Steve, where are you at on giving the blame again? Me and TJ are blaming
2: I think they both uh, share blame. I don't think they played their role. Look. I, the Wednesday oh, off the thing, TJ. A lot of veterans that are tenured, that are like a decade or a dozen years in, they're giving that off. They aren't quarterbacks
1: and aren't culture I'm, setters. I'm with
2: you. I'm with you on that. But it's Tom Brady. He gets treated a little bit differently. You know, it's like Animal Farm. That old line. Everyone's equal here. Everyone's just a little bit more equal. But I just, I'm just telling you. Even I thought the best way. The and another thing they're doing, what I don't like. And again, I know yesterday they fell behind early. They got to run the ball. There's too many games. I'm looking at the Bucs, and it's like a seven on seven drill. And they're passing the ball 50 plus times, and they're running the ball 12. And I'm thinking, first of all, you got an old Julio Jones. I love Julio. I don't want to be disrespectful. But looking at him run this year, if he was a horse, they take him to the glue factory. It's over for him, okay? (laughs) Uh, Mike Evans has been kind of banged up, but he's he's not, he's a guy that's a big body receiver plays his role still really well but I'm kind of looking at this going geez like I said they're right in that pack of mediocrity and the best thing I could say about that team is that they're in the NFC South and they might eke into the playoffs I just do not see them making any type of run no matter how focused Tom Brady gets
1: all right guys let me tell you about uh, Patriot Mobile offers for free iPhones are usually too good to be true just like uh, freedom itself nothing is free Mobile phone companies not only lock you into long term contracts, but they also build the price of the phone into your bill with hidden fees. With Patriot Mobile, they can show you how to get that same iPhone interest free without the games and no contract. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They offer nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks because they use the same towers as the major carriers. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that's fighting to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Patriot Mobile also offers a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch to either of the three major carriers they provide for free. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Jason, or call their 100% U.S.-based customer service team at 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Jason. If you're fed up with the woke companies that don't care about your values or our country, support a company that does. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason, or call 972-PATRIOT. You ready? Showtime. Steve, you still with us? I want to go back to this Mm -hmm. 49ers-Buccaneers game. Brock Purdy Mm. comes from out of nowhere and lights up the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I I, I think you could put a pretty good argument together that the 49ers are the second-best team in the NFC after Philadelphia and that Brock Purdy, based off what we saw off of one game, still gives them a chance to advance to the Super Bowl. What do you think?
2: He's now Mr. Very Relevant, Uh, and once again, he was pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, Here's the thing that, that I love about what they're doing. It seems like he's throwing for a lot of yards and putting up monster stats, but he's really not. Yesterday, he was 16 for 21, 185, two touchdowns. As I said this to you a few weeks ago, Jimmy G is always in a position to make really big plays because Shanahan does a great job of giving you eye candy and establishing the run and then setting up a shot. And I will give Purdy credit for one thing. When there's a play to be made and Shanahan dials it up, the ball has been delivered. That's been the biggest issue with Garoppolo. And one thing, another thing I like about him, though, this kid plays fast and loose. He doesn't look like a scared game manager playing Charlie Checkdown. Now, I still believe George Kittle is an underutilized weapon. With that said, once again, I stress the running game. They ran the ball 36 times yesterday for 209 yards. Now, the question is, what is the health of Debo Samuels? My understanding is, I just read, it's a high ankle sprain. If he's back for the playoffs, and if Purdy can just be the same guy that he has been, I'm going to say this again. The Niners on both sides of the ball have a good a roster as anyone in the National Football League.
1: Brock Purdy, you sold, TJ? No. The,
3: there's a reason they call you mystery relevant. He was the last pick in the draft because he's not a high talent guy. They're, this is their third guy now. And Jimmy G was okay, wasn't great. He could have perhaps gotten the job done. Um, that, to your point about are they the second best team in the NFC? Maybe because there's only one good team in the NFC. You got the Eagles and then Dallas hanging down there. Dallas almost got beat by Houston yesterday. So they should have got beat. They should have got beat. There, there's there's very little. That you can, I mean, the Vikings, maybe. I mean,
1: <laughs> no, I don't believe in the Vikings. No, they're being yeah. let, let me tell you where I think where I think you're wrong. It's not Brock Purdy. It's Kyle Shanahan, and we're going to talk about this with JB about Lincoln Riley uh, in college football. There are certain coaches that just have a flair with quarterbacks mm-hmm. and have something. That, there are QB gurus and whisperers, and Kyle Shanahan seems to be one. Agree with that. The question
3: was, do I believe in Brock Purdy? And so I, do I think that he can go in there and hand the ball off to Christian McCaffrey? They ran for 209 yards yesterday. So they, can't, they have running backs to get the job done, particularly if Debo isn't hurt. High ankle sprains, as you know, can linger on even when you're back, you're not really back. If he's back, they can get him involved in the running game like they do. And then he can use George Kittle, uh, short throws across the middle. Same thing with Debo. They got a chance. But don't underestimate the, the intelligence of these uh, defensive coordinators who will see a single blitz that works and go to it over and over and over. This is a guy that, you know, second string quarterbacks in the NFL don't practice much. Third string quarterbacks don't practice at all. So he's Scouting, just yeah. getting into running guys,
2: the 49ers plays. But, fellas, can I just say something? And it said a lot that when he came in last week against the Dolphins, okay, now that's a week. You're right, TJ. He probably got no practice time because he was the second quarterback. He came into the game after Jimmy Garoppolo gets banged up. They threw the ball 37 times. That's almost unheard of for a backup quarterback to say, hey, kid, you're getting in there now. Look, a lot of the throws that they dial up are short shuttles, bubbles, uh, smoke screens, things of that nature, right? Roll out waggles. They keep it relatively simple. But it said something to me, without fully examining it, that, wow, if you are able to dial up 37 pass plays with your backup quarterback who comes in at the 11th hour, he must have some sort of faith, that coach, in what you can do. And I actually like the fact he pushes the ball downfield more than Garoppolo. And that was one of the issues people had. Um, It's funny, guys. I I find it ironic if if Pertit can keep doing this that, yeah, the Niners drafted the quarterback of the future this past draft or two, and it wasn't Trey Lance. It wasn't Trey. This, this, this reminds me of Gus Farratt, Heath Shuler. I'll never forget. It was in 1994. He Shuler was a number five pick, and all of a sudden, this guy had a Tulsa, Gus Farratt. Everyone kept doubting him, but every time you saw both of them play, that seventh rounder from Tulsa was a lot better than that top five pick from University of Tennessee. The Niners have a very interesting question because I think Garoppolo's time with the Niners with this injury has come to an end. So now they have two young quarterbacks. One you've made a real heavy investment into and the other guy that is putting up numbers early on. But I think TJ's right. Second, third time around the league. Let's see how people adjust to him.
1: I I think the addition of Christian McCaffrey uh, has been huge for them. Looks like they lost Debo Samuel the way the guy was crying going off the field. Looks like, you know, that he ain't coming back anytime soon. But I think Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Kyle Shanahan are, are, are just enough. And these quarterbacks that rely on the game plan, rely on the strategy of the head coaches, are, are quarterbacks that, people like Kyle Shanahan can win with and turn into something that maybe other coaches can't. And, and so I, I, I like the 49ers, and, and I like, obviously, their defense and what they have in, in Nick Bosa and, and the whole defense as a whole. I, and because I think the NFC is so weak and, and it really is just going to come down to can we beat the Eagles in one single game, <clears throat> and, yeah, I think their defense makes Jason, that possible. I think – yeah, go ahead.
2: Jason, TJ, I'm waiting for the next team that, or any team that plays the Niners, the coordinator, to say, you know what, we're going to go zero coverage. In other words, we're going to load that box. We are not letting McCaffrey or that running game beat us. We're going to go man press. We're going to go zero coverage. And let's see, Purdy, if he could stare down the barrel of the gun, which he actually did pretty well yesterday, and make throws. And the one thing, Coach JB says this all the time. He said, Steve, you're right. The Niners do have a lot of offensive parts. They don't necessarily have that one guy, even Debo, that is that vertical threat on the outside where you have to hang a safety. They have, again, Brandon Ayuk is a really good number two receiver. He's not necessarily a vertical threat. But I am looking for a coordinator to say, okay, we're going to sell out on the run, zero coverage, and we're going to bring the house. Let's see if someone can break press coverage and make us pay. It's gonna happen sooner rather than later.
1: So this next topic, I'm gonna to contradict everything that I've said a week or two ago uh-huh. about how you can never win in Detroit. Uh-huh. And Dan Campbell is proving me wrong. And it, 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 it's it's I like the Detroit Lions a lot. A lot. I can't mm-hmm. believe I'm saying it. I can't, but but I like them mm-hmm. a lot. Look at their finishing schedule. They're at the Jets this week, which will be tough. The Jets have a great defense. They're at Carolina, ascending team, but, you know, I I think they can beat Carolina. Then they finish with the Bears and at Green Bay. That's three games on the road, but not against uh, the 27 Yankees. It's the Jets, the Panthers, the Bears, and the Packers. I actually expect at this point. Now, maybe this will be the kiss of death. Me jumping on the Lions' bandwagon, I'm going to crash that thing and bring it down. But I expect the Detroit Lions to run the table, oh, what? and they're the last team I would want to see in the postseason. I, I'm tell if I'm in the NFC, I don't want to face the Detroit Lions. I think they're for real. They, they beat the Giant. Here's the lat they. Here's They won five of six. They beat Green Bay. They beat Chicago. They beat the Giants. They beat Jacksonville, and then they just handled Minnesota. I don't think that's a, a fluke. And again, that that again, the, none of those teams are super great. Minnesota's got a good record, but I like the Detroit Lions a lot, and I'm shocked because I've never liked Jared Goff. And obviously, I'm on record thinking it's hard to build a winning football team in Detroit. But I expect them to run the table and be a problem in the playoffs. Why are you laughing at me, Co
2: You know what? Because as soon as this show airs, I think Joe Burrow's going to call the Lions and go, hey, guys, welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to call you Primetime Whitlock because you are backpedaling like an elite cornerback. I love the Lions. Oh, Dan, the man camp. You know what I like about Dan? He just looks like a football coach. You know, look, nothing against McDaniel at Miami, but he looked like he played Dungeons and Dragons his whole life. Now, Dan Campbell, there's a football (laughs) coach-looking guy. And this is the interesting thing about the Lions, even though Campbell talks about being team grit, that we're the team that nobody wants to play, and we're going to scrap, and we're going to battle. But they are actually a very explosive offensive team. And Jared Goff has always had the reputation of being a really good intermediate passer who doesn't take shots downfield. That certainly is not the case. And, and Jamison Williams, our first-round draft choice, has played the last week or two. He only adds to their weaponry. And Swift, as a running back, is becoming a front-line type of player. I like this team, and defensively, they're getting better. But keep this in mind, Jason. On paper, yes, that schedule looks very favorable But they are like that classic dome team. Their offense is much more productive at home, underneath the dome, controlled conditions, uh, as compared to on the road. So now again, New York Jets with Salah. That's a good defense, and that's a stadium with swirling winds. I don't think that's going to be an easy game because both teams are playing. Would you call
1: the Jets coach Salah? You call the Jets coach Salah. Robert no, Salah. Salah, go ahead. Salah, whatever. Well, anytime ben you Dan get Osprey. me correcting you on pronunciation, <laughs> yeah. you know you're yeah. in trouble. Go, now, go ahead, Col- Robert Salah.
2: Now, Green Bay, uh, look, they may not have much to play for, but it's going to be a cold-weather game. Detroit does not win in Green Bay a lot. And maybe they shut down Rodgers, who knows. But I think 3-1 and one is is the best-case scenario. I expect them to win at home against Carolina and Chicago, but again... Those cold-weather games in December, they're pretty difficult for these offenses that generally play in controlled climate conditions inside a dome.
3: Am I reading this right? Look, I thought Carolina was on the road. Carolina is on the road. Okay. So
2: they're on the road. That should be a win then. Three or four games.
3: Three or four games. You think they'll win then, Steve?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I like this. I like Detroit. I actually think they're really good.
3: I – Uh, this is a tough one because actually the Jets have been playing better Carolina has been playing better Justin Fields can break off a 70 yard run at any point and then you still have Aaron Rodgers. No shot against the Bears have no shot. The Bears are terrible understood and I've watched uh, Justin Fields keep them in games.
1: Jordan Love will be the starting quarterback by the time they get to Green Bay that's the final game of the season.
3: Yes could be there there is a chance they can lose any of these and they need to run the table but I'll tell you I, I'm looking at the rest of the NFC here and just like we talked about there are not good teams in the NFC this year when you say the last team they'd want to play obviously the Eagles you would prefer not to play them instead other than that they got a shot against anybody they could beat the Seahawks on any given day they could beat the Giants on any given day they could beat the Cowboys on any I given day. I don't think
1: they could beat the 49ers agreed I really don't Agreed. I don't but I, but I do think nobody I'm telling you, nobody wants to see the Lions. And I'm and mostly I'm talking about Philadelphia. That and I think the way the schedule works now, Philadelphia with the number one seed will get a bye uh, that, that first yep. week. And so that, that wouldn't be their opponent. They beat the Bucs. Oh, yeah, they trashed the Bucs. Yes. Hammer the would be Bucs. all over that.
2: Oh, by the I'd way, be the Lions my with that one. Guys, <laughs> early in the year, and again, this seems like five years ago, the Lions battle philadelphia at home that was a high scoring Mm -hmm. close game and keep this in mind about detroit you could say all those wins came against teams that are now coming back down to earth i was impressed with that one loss the last six games they went toe-to-toe with the buffalo bills on thanksgiving thursday and i came out of that game thinking even though they had lost i said dan campbell's got that thing moving in the right direction so i don't think there's anything fluky about what's going on there in motown
1: so uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Everybody now is Jalen Hurts is the MVP. The Eagles are clearly the best team in football, and I tend to agree with that. I think the Kansas City Chiefs got lucky yesterday, and you know it was an incredible pick six that really, to me, was the difference in that game. I think Willie Gay, the linebacker, yeah. swats a ball pick and take, takes it back. I'm not. I'm not sold that the Kansas City Chiefs are unbeatable. I'm not sold on Buffalo as unbeatable. Uh, The the clear best team is the Philadelphia Eagles. Am I wrong here? Can anybody stop the Eagles this season?
2: I'll go first. They have the look of a team that looks destined for the Super Bowl. And Jalen Hurts, look, when he came out of Oklahoma, I thought he was a system guy, I, maybe a career backup at best or a marginal starter. I, I will give him me a couple. He's turned into an MVP candidate. Now, every time I watch the games, the one thing that I really like about what Sirianni does with him is that they make it easy for him. They play to his strengths, but he is hitting some, like, tight window throws, throws on third down. He's converting. They're moving the chain. And even yesterday is a great example of why the stats don't tell the whole story. He was 21 for 31, 217 yards, two touchdowns on the air. This is what people don't talk about. In that red zone and short yardage, his threat as a runner is absolutely key. He's a well-built, strong guy. Seven rushes for 77 yards. He's that 11th man offensively that in the past nobody had to account for. But he makes them so tough on those short yardage plays. And... It's interesting, Jason. You look at Mahomes on the surface level, the yards and touchdowns, he is far and away the number one quarterback. And you would say at that point, well, based on the team record, he's the MVP. Jason, I watched a lot of that game. I thought Mahomes single-handedly kept the Broncos in that game with three interceptions. So sometimes it's not about what you do statistically. It's sometimes what you stay away from. And Jalen Hurts, for the most part, has played at a very high level And they blew out the Giants at home. It is very difficult, especially in that division, to go out on the road and just to dominate from the first play on, which they did. And then they absolutely dismantled the week before the Tennessee Titans, one of the most physical units in football. Right now, if you were to say, Steve, who's the best team in football? No doubt about it, Philly Eagles.
3: I sat in this chair two, two and a half months ago and said, Jalen Hurts was a poor man's Russell Wilson, and everybody laughed at me, and mm-hmm. Russell Wilson's a poor man's Jalen Hurts. <laughs> <Hertz." laughs> I mean, it was an unbelievably one-sided trip. Yes, and, I, and even, I was slightly uncomfortable, and you called me crazy, and St- Steve said, well, he's a welfare, Russell Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> it work. I'm, I'm telling you. Yes. <laughs> when I watch Jalen Hurts now, he's, uh, this is his second year, right? Second-year yes. quarterback, he looks like he's been in the league for 10 years. He's the most comfortable, calculated, easy quarterback. He's not out there always throwing for 350 yards. He'll have games of 150, 130, but then he'll rush for 100. I, mean, he's, I think he's run for 10 touchdowns already this year. He's been doing everything the Eagles need him to do. The defense for the Eagles, they slid back three, four weeks ago, started playing worse. They were one of the top units the first 10 weeks of the season or so. Have gotten back to that each of the last couple weeks now. There's only a few teams that I think that can challenge the Eagles, Bills, Chiefs. You think yeah. the 49ers? I'm not sold on them now because of the quarterback position. And we'll see. You and I both may have been wrong about Joe Burrow because the Bengals may climb up there.
1: Oh yeah, no, the Bing- <coughs> the, the Bengals is the team I left out. The Bengals are for real. Yeah. And and Joe Burrow's for real. And Cincinnati's going to always beat me up for that analogy I made, and I'll deserve it. Uh, <laughs> You know, but but I also will take credit for putting the pressure on Joe Burrow and bringing that out of him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, he changed
3: on I mean, what, what had he done before that? Besides that yeah, Super Bowl, yeah, appearance? besides
1: that, yeah. <laughs> and the Heisman <laughs> Trophy, and all, yeah. all that. But once I criticized it, he took it to another level. Uh, so give me credit for that. But but <clears throat> I can't believe we're sitting here and Jalen Hurts. Th- this is. I guess I can't believe it, but but no, I would have never saw this coming. Jalen Hurts in year two has turned into everything that people wanted Lamar Jackson to turn into. Everything that people want, because Jalen Hurts still runs the ball effectively. Just like he said, someone said, he's got 10 rushing touchdowns or whatever. But from the passer, so he can win you games from the pocket. He can bring you from behind. He's what... It's not as flashy. He's not as fast. It's not as exciting as Lamar Jackson, but he's everything people wanted but Lamar Mason, Jackson to become. To
2: be fair, and again, Lamar has won an MVP and he wins a lot of games. Yeah. This is the difference, though, and I'm going to bring this guy up. A.J. Brown is the acquisition of the year. I'll say, I'm going to belabor this point. I want to know what the thinking is with the Tennessee Titans getting rid of A.J. Brown. I think he was 24-25. This guy has all the best football left in front of him. And he compliments Devontae Smith, who's a little midget, fast little guy. And A.J. does all the dirty stuff, the tough stuff. He makes the contested catches. And he's a big, strong, thick runner. That right there, again, we I think Lamar has a little bit... Uh, of an issue that there's no help around him outside of a really good tight end. And I think that's the difference, though, because when I look at Jalen Hurts, even though he does run the ball a lot, if you watch the Eagles offense, there are so many times where the ball is just out real quickly and it's a clean game. So even though Hurts is a physical player, actually most of the game that he plays is very clean, fast, safe, and efficient for any quarterback.
3: Uh, I was... I was incorrect. It's Jalen Hurts' third year, second year as a starter. But I'm telling you, A.J. Brown's good. uh, But what was A.J. Brown doing last year with, as you call him, Ryan training wheels? Not a ton compared to what he's able to do this year on the field. And I'm watching Jalen Hurts. He'll roll out. To the left, away from his throwing arm, and he'll drop a dime between two defenders right over his receiver's shoulder. Whatever he did this off-season, I always think that stuff's overblown. These quarterback coaches love getting their praise. And they, oh, they met with this George guy out in California, and he was there for three months, and he changed everything. Whoever he met with actually changed some stuff, because this isn't the guy we watched <coughs> in college. This is a guy who has better mechanics, who can throw on the run now much better who's a better decision-maker to your point. Some of the reason he's getting the ball out isn't just because they're calling the plays. It's because he's identifying the proper read and getting the ball out. And so he's just – he's so far advanced for a second-year starter. It's one of the best that I've seen.
2: Jordan, uh, TJ, 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 I think that's Jordan Palmer. Coach JB has talked about that, that uh, Jalen Hurts actually did rebuild his mechanics and his throwing motion uh, with Jordan Palmer, who is the brother of Carson Palmer. So then, that's the thing I like about Hurts. When you watch Hurts, the way he conducts himself at, at the press conferences and the way he dresses, and it's Captain Cliche one oh. It's beautiful. It's as Trell would say. It's my quarterback. <laughs> my, that's my quarterback. He gets it. <laughs> he gets it. No nail polish right, on him. Uh... I'll tell you that much. Jeez.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve I gotta play this for you I don't you know me and you'd love to talk about TV media mm-hmm. and things that are going on in the talk show debate show uh, space uh, embrace debate space uh, skip Bayless and mm-hmm. Shannon Sharpe mm-hmm. had a dispute a dust-up this morning that was incredible uh, here's a one-minute highlight of that dust up and I can't wait to get your reaction.
0: Still playing at a high level at 45 when you had to stop at 35. Skip, that's what you that's do. That's the point. That's what you do. Every time somebody, every time I call something in question, I'm jealous. No, Skip, I did no, what I, I never did. said you were jealous of Baker Mayfield. Skip, I did what I did. You make it seem like I was a bum. I'm in the effing Hall of Fame. Okay, I so got three what? Super Bowls. So what? so what? He's way better than you were. I'm better way than you were. got to see what you do. You take personal shots. No, you, for the I don't, theater, I don't yeah. take personal oh, shots. Time you time started time it. Time out. You would take a personal shot at me. I didn't take a personal shot at you. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? You would take a personal... Put your glasses back on. Can I finish? You're willing to take a personal shot at me to say this man is better than me because I say he's playing bad this year. Well, because you 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 just Go you, you disrespect him. It, it's just so. It, so it's you been, dis- you part. know what?
4: It's beneath your you dignity. You would disrespect me to no, support him. No, well, I'll, I'll support him over anybody because he's the greatest player who ever have played your game, and it's by have far. At it. Have at it. Okay, Takeoff, I'm bro. going to have at
1: it. <laughs> that was awesome. <awful>. I'm <laughs> just <laughs> I enjoyed that. It was awesome, it was real. Uh, Skip has clearly triggered Shannon Sharp in their discussions about Tom Brady. Skip plays the role of the big Tom Brady homer, and Shannon, like a lot of us in the media, have been critical of Tom Brady this season. I can't believe Shannon got that triggered, though, by Skip. Uh, what, what, do you, what, do you, what did you see, Steve?
2: You know, Ebony and Ivory not living together in peace and harmony. I haven't seen a white and black guy go at it since Jerry Cooney and Larry Holmes when I was a kid. Wow. <laughs> now, now, here's the funniest thing with Skip. You're really going to compare a quarterback in this era where they play in bubble wrap, where you're not even allowed to tackle them that hard, right? Ask Jalen Phillips, to a tight end that actually played very well till he's 35. I thought that was completely unfair. But here's what got me. Of uh, the way... Shannon Sharp reacted and what he said, we've all seen coming to America, right? And remember the barbershop scene when they're talking about boxing? The way Shannon reacted was like, that's their one. That's their one. Rocky Marciano, that's what he reminded me of. <laughs> so it's obvious to me that even Shannon thinks that Tom Brady is a great white hype because that's their one. That's the, That was a great. But he took, when, he won, when Shannon takes off his glasses, who It's like the gloves coming off there, fellas?
3: TJ? Uh, <laughs> you'd like to think that was somewhat planned, but it, sh- th- there's no way a grown man would ever make the noise that Shannon Sharp made. <laughs> on, <laughs> on purpose, <laughs> all right? <laughs> there's <was, laughs> there nothing planned about that. And, and Skip, look, I've never agreed with uh, Shannon Sharp on a single topic. Is never a word that I've heard him say if I thought, oh, I, I agree with that. I actually agree with him. that it took It took Skip Bayless to get me to agree with shannon sharp but i did um this has got to be i don't know how long the show's been going on seven eight years now however it is a while yeah this is seven years worth of this dude wanting to in fact i applaud shannon for not standing up and punching him in the face because once upon a time you couldn't talk to another guy like that without getting crushed and you're talking to a dude who's a foot taller than you and who (laughs) could choke slam you and end your life
1: in five seconds and you feel totally fine so t- this is what, and maybe I'm living in a bubble and I'm stupid. I want to replay the clip again because for me, when I watched it the first time and I watched it several times this morning, I'm watching on the show, I don't see what Skip is saying as that triggering or that insulting because I- I'm sitting there like, man, I got three Super Bowls, I'm in the Hall of Fame. I can care less what Skip Bayless thinks, but. Me- Play it again because I, I've other people have, and I see over Twitter, people are saying uh, Skip is being very disrespectful to Shannon. I, I don't see it that way. I can't say that what Skip is doing is right. And trust me, I know a lot of the history between these two guys, and part of what I think is going on here is, is Skip <clears throat> blames Shannon for their lack of rating success that mm. Stephen Mm-mm-mm. A Stephen yeah. A. and what's going on in the first take and their ratings are growing has Skip on edge and he's pointing a finger and he blames Shannon Sharp. But I want to replay the clip we've already played. I, I just want to watch it again. And, and someone help me or point me to the moment where they think Skip has been been really disrespectful and justifies Shannon being triggered.
4: Still playing at a high level at 45 when you had to stop at 35. Yeah, that's what you that's do. That's the point. That's what
0: you do. Every time somebody, every time I call something in question, I'm jealous. No. Kim, I did no, what I did. I never did. said you were jealous of Baker Mayfield. Kim, I did <sighs> what I did. You make it seem like I was a bum. I'm in the effing Hall of Fame. Okay. So I got three what? Super Bowls. So what? So what? He's way better than you were. I'm better than way you. Way <laughs> I got to see what you do. Don't take personal shots. You no, for the time out. You would take a personal shot at me. I didn't take a personal shot at you. you. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? (laughs) You would take a personal shot. (laughs) Put your (laughs) glasses back on. Can I finish? You're willing to take a personal shot at me to say this man is better than me because I say he's playing bad this year? Well, because you just- you, you Go ahead. You disrespect him. It, it's just so-, it, so it's you, been, dis- you know him. what?
4: It's beneath your you dignity. You would disrespect me to no, support him. No, Well, I'll, I'll support him over anybody because he's the greatest player who ever have played your game and it's by have far. At it. Have at it. Okay? Take off, it. I'm going to have at it.
1: Woo! Th- that, the whole thing sounds like fifth grade recess. It does. And, you know what it really sounds so,
2: like? Every uh, phone conversation between me and Jason. No, but seriously. Jason, I think you hit <laughs> to <want> something. No. <laughs> I think there is the Playmaker or Michael Irvin effect. Because this happened this morning, right, on a Monday? Well, yeah. every Monday, Michael Irvin comes on the showmaker, and it's unbelievable for two hours. I mean, it's part of my daily Mondays. It's, it's this show. I watch Coach JB, and I watch those guys. I never thought I would actually – Really, be a regular viewer of First Take, even one day a week, but they've got all the buzz um, of the major shows on those mainstream media uh, outlets, and maybe they planned this. Maybe they huddled together. Hey, we no, go it's viral not planned. More. You don't think so at all. You don't Tell think you that was noise, anything that, that has was to authentic. Do with like, okay, because I just think that there is an effect that I think you hit upon something that Skip Bayless is thinking. On Mondays, we used to be a little bit more relevant. Now, with Mike Lurban and Stephen A and Ryan Clark and all the stuff now they do. With Monday, the play-
1: Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday is what yeah. he's concerned about. He's concerned right. about all five days of the week. Right, and, but and the tone first is that- take is growing. Yes. Hmm. And so the, the wow. Mad Dog stuff is working. All this, the little gimmicks, all the race card, race baiting they're doing over there on first, it's working. And, and Skip's ratings are stale. They're still all, because <clears throat> just keeping it real. That show they have coming on leading into them, Craig Carthan, has has been a total disaster. No one watches that. I, I think this is just Skip is this show isn't as good as it should be and could be, and he's blaming Shannon Sharp, and I believe Shannon Sharp blames Skip Bayless. Let me let me go back a couple of weeks. And show you an exchange uh, that they had just a couple of weeks ago, and this is about Baker Mayfield. This has been brewing. This explosion. Well, I don't know. This this explosion here may be worse than this one here. But let let's here's Skip and Shannon from two weeks ago.
0: Dead last in QBR. 17.8. We're talking about yesterday. I did not look yesterday? No, Get no, an no. F? No. no, no. Let me, I got the floor. Uh. Because all you do is bring up those 11 games. All you do is go back to talk about when he was a rookie and won seven games. Mm. I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about because I got the floor. Mm. Baker Mayfield is dead last in 2022 in QBR. Blah, blah, He's blah. He's dead last. I don't blah, care. Blah blah blah, 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 blah. He's 57.8. He's 30 30 blah, completion blah, percentage. Blah.
4: You going to let me talk? Because that's you, what you saying. If do. you'll stay on point on question. You'll never stay on point. Okay. I'm about to, to stay you on him, point. You know, you're not going to get on point until yep. I'm
0: done talking. Okay, all right. That's right. Spew all your hate. I, I'm going to spew it you're all. Your faker hate. Spew it. 17.8. Because all you talk about, you're uncertain about Justin Herbert. But you get on the floor for this clown. He's a bum. He's trash. And you know it. And every time you bring him up, mm-hmm. I'm going to let the world know exactly what uh, he is. Oh, you have a four other, Twitter followers. Don't worry about Hold on. Yeah, okay. You talk about Twitter. And yeah. we come out here and discuss topics that you okay. tweeted. So okay. don't give me about that Twitter stuff. Mm. You can talk about my followers all you want. But yeah. I got to damn to right. and you see how he do America? He's talking about my Twitter followers. Mm. That's what I know okay. I got it. All and right. I'm going to continue to go. All He's 187. Tell glasses. me when it's my it's turn. It's not your turn. He's football focus. Blah, blah, <laughs> blah. 37%. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, go here. Blah, blah, blah. You I'm, done? Yeah, I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> on no tv debating twitter <laughs> this is my like children
3: well as soon as skip started going blah blah blah, blah. I mean, <laughs> that was actually fifth grade. but i will tell you uh if there's one thing to applaud shannon for and, and there might only actually be one thing it is that uh he i'm telling you if you can't talk on a show that's your own, it's Skip and Shannon. And every time you try to talk, you have this idiot on the other side of the table interrupting you, and then you start to make your voice, blah, 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 blah. I would want to get up and chokeslam that dude.
1: <laughs> Only thing you're missing is I don't think you've watched enough of the show. Shannon does a lot of talking on that show, a lot. And and I, I get it. He... he I'm t- these guys don't like each other. Yeah. Bottom line is, is they don't like mm. each other. Skip, Skip thinks Shannon's stupid. Shannon thinks uh, Skip doesn't know anything about sports because he never played. They're both right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, it's, and the whole little pretending. They have to pretend like the show is this monumental success, and it's not. Skip Bayless did not leave ESPN Six seven years ago, thinking, yeah, I'm gonna be over here, and I'm gonna draw in year seven. I'm gonna draw one third the ratings of first take. I, I'm gonna be second banana to Stephen A. Smith. That's not what he thought, and he's very disappointed. But I I don't know which, which video is a worse look for the two, but it looked like again two fifth graders out at recess. Your mama wears combat boots. Steve?
2: I'm, I'm amazed that Skip Bayless said, I will defend Tom Brady over you. I mean, literally, you're a partner on a show five days a week with this guy, and you won't stick up for a guy that you're a fan of against the guy that you work with. It, it reminds me of that famous story when Deion Sanders walked into the locker room and he tells Mike Lurvin, Michael, you gotta talk to Troy because and, goes, and, and Michael just goes Dion, stop right there. Did you get into an argument with Troy Aikman? Yeah, and, and, and he tells Dion, that is my quarterback. I don't care what happened. You need to apologize to Troy. And Dion, well, what do you mean? I, I thought no, no, no. Dion, we are boys, but I want you to know one thing. That is my quarterback. He has a lot to do with my life and how much money I make and how well I play. So right now I'm upset at you, and you need to apologize to Troy because you've gotten my quarterback upset. You got to stick with your guys. You got to have a cast system. I don't care. If someone that I make money with, they're up here, as Jimmy Johnson would say. Anyone else? Down here. Um, it's really that simple. I play I'm favorites.
1: thinking about that, Steve. If I had a choice between defending you or Jeff George, guess Didn't who I'm me. defending?
2: Me. I'm a, I'm a better winner. I'm a better teammate. I'm a better Re-guess.
1: teammate. guess. <laughs> <laughs> Take another try. With that gift. <laughs> if I had that a choice between line, huh? Jeff you know, George think- or you, who you know am what? I, I to show.
2: I may quit the show now. I just, may, like Jeff George said, I may just quit the show. I, you know what? That's it. Folks, I've enjoyed being on this program. TJ, you've been a swell guy. We can keep in touch. But I've really enjoyed my time here. Wow. What What? an, what an insult, Jeff George? Oh, my God. Now me and you are going to really get into it, Jason.
1: <laughs> well, we started debating our Twitter followers. I, I just can't. And this is what happens to, to people that take Twitter and social media way too seriously. And it becomes, and again, I get social media is important to people's business structures and careers and all that other stuff, but it's just not reality. And and both of these guys live on Twitter, and, and Shannon Sharp really lives on Twitter, and Twitter's what's gassing Shannon Sharp up. And and, and I want to throw this back to you in all seriousness, Steve. Shannon Sharp believes he's the star of that show Mm -hmm. and that Skip Bayless is holding him back. Skip Bayless believes he's the star of that show and Shannon Sharp is holding him back. If you had to choose a side, whose side are you on?
2: In this particular
1: situation, let's pretend like you're the president of Fox sports and you're trying to negotiate a settlement between Iran and Iraq here. Uh, (laughs) Who's most important? Skip
2: Bayless, skip Bayless. He's the guy that look as Reggie Jackson once said, one of the greatest statements ever when he first got to the Yankees, I'm the straw. I'm the straw that stirs the drink. Thurman Munson can stir it, but it can only be bad. In this particular situation, yes, one's Reggie Jackson, one is Thurman Munson, they're both very vital, right? But when it comes to who is the guy that brings the energy, the heat, and has the long-term reputation, and the one you really care about is opinions, not his athletic career, because that did not exist, Skip Bayless is the straw in this situation.
1: See, I think a lot of people on social media in particular would disagree with that. And, and, and he, he, here's who really disagrees with that, former professional athletes. They believe they're the straw. And if, they, if you look at the media model, if you look at Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes and all the smoke and the way ESPN has empowered all of these athletes, the the athletes believe, screw the media, they're unimportant, we're the stars of these shows. Screw Tony Kornheiser, Mike Wilbon, Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless. The athletes, we're the stars of these shows, we're the real authorities, we bring the juice and the cool factor to these shows. That's what they believe. I think uh, athletes
3: get confused because they're the product that people are talking about and then they get out and they think they're the products that people are talking about, and they're not. Most of these guys, it's great to have experts on the show, but they have to be set up. Most of these guys can't go out there and run their own show. Somebody has to feed them an interesting line of discussion and then they can pontificate from there. That's true for almost all these guys. I mean, everything I've ever heard about Skip is that he plans the entire show and does everything, and then somebody else sits down and argues.
1: They have a dispute about that, that that's played out in that second clip in terms of Skip does drive all the topics on the show and Shannon feels like I should be driving. And I'm going to tell you the other layer to this is they both now have dueling or competing podcasts. Yes. And Shannon's podcast is more popular than Skip's podcast, which fuels Shannon's thoughts that because Shannon gets all these athletes and other celebrities to come on his show. You know, other than people that Skip can pay, Little Wayne or whomever else, nobody's nobody's looking to come on a show with Skip Bayless. Steve, I, I I'll give you the what, final thought.
2: I would love to see what Jalen Rose thinks about all this because one of the classics. Uh, uh, cut-ups ever was when Jalen Rose came on, and I think this was back at ESPN, Jays. I don't even remember this. Jalen Rose yeah, I of said did. you never played the game. You were terrible. You averaged one point in high school. Mm. You have, and I would, you know what? Just for a week, I know they're different. How, how about a show between Jalen Rose and Skip Bayless? Wow. You want to talk about vinegar with vinegar? Sheesh, that'd be unwatchable. But I would watch like a car wreck. Can't lie. But I, I wonder though, <laughs> the question is, How long is Shannon Sharp committed to the network, which is FS1, and now the show? Because you're right, Jason. He does have a highly successful podcast where he brings on A-list guests. And he might think at this point, I'm no longer riding on the side passenger seat. I am now the driver. And that may, in his own mind, have changed the dynamic of that particular relationship.
3: You didn't answer. Which one are you taking?
1: Skip Bayless is well past his expiration date. Well past his expiration date. Uh, Shannon Sharp is so inauthentic, inauthentic to me that I would resign my position as an executive and uh, <laughs> wouldn't take either one of them. And, and, and that's not hate, that's not animus, that's not jealousy, that, that's not any of that, But. Anybody with a brain can look and see skips out of milk. There's nothing left in that cow. And Fox Sports should have realized that years ago. Anybody with a brain should have realized Shannon's inauthentic and he's too polarizing to reach a wide audience. He's going to have a nice little niche audience, the digital world, is going to love him because he plays the racial idolatry card and people have been programmed and trained uh, to do that. But in terms of mainstream television success, if I'm running a TV network, no way either one of these guys should be the face of my television network. I shouldn't be building a strategy around someone this far past their expiration date and someone this polarizing and stupid. So I wouldn't I just kept it a thousand percent real I'm sure there'll be some of you that'll hear that Oh, with lost just jealousy we he been he making their money Nah, miss me with all that I'm just telling you the truth uh, there's a reason why and I I, I got to give ESPN credit and anybody that watches this knows I'm not a fan of a lot of the race baiting that Stephen A Smith has really lurched off into but I got to give Stephen A and ESPN credit the adjustment away from Max Kellerman has worked. They've built a team and a show around Stephen A that's gaining more and more traction and relevancy. Stephen A doesn't take himself so seriously that he can't laugh at himself and have a good time. Sometimes he does take himself too seriously, but for the most part he like, it comes off like they're having a good time on that show and, and that show is growing Hats off to ESPN for devising a strategy and what you're looking at in summation. This is why I keep saying that Skip Bayless is looking at the success Stephen A's having since dusting Max Kellerman and saying, see, this is what I should have done. I need to dust Shannon Sharp and just do my own thing. The execs at Fox Sports are saying, Skip, you can't do what Stephen A. Smith is doing. People don't want to come on the show with you. Stephen A's got Michael Irvin and this person and that person and that and they all want to be. Yes, we pay them well, but they also want to be on a show uh, with Stephen A. You know, other than us uh, dropping, you know, major money on Little Wayne and stuff like that. Nobody wants to be associated with you. And so it'll be a lot like how your podcast is not. Performing all that well. And so cut it out. You need someone like Shannon. So, anyway, I've just done the job of Fox executives. Give the tape to uh, Skip and Shannon. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. Anyway, uh, thank you, Steve. Uh, we got to keep it moving. Uh, you can email us fearlessblaze show at gmail.com. We're going to swing over to uh, Coach JV. to talk to more football Welcome back. Let's roll out to Los Angeles and bring in Coach Jason Brown from Last Chance U, or as I like to call him, Last Chance Q. JB, I want to start here because this is all going to tie together eventually, everything we're talking about. But let's start with Jalen Hurts. Is he the MVP of the National Football League? I
5: guess because of the record, man. Uh... I don't like what he's I'm just still not I'm not sold on anyone in the NFL right now it's just so watered down it's the worst football I've ever seen in my life by the way uh I'm not sold on any MVP man it's just we have bad football nine ten quarterbacks a week throw for under 200 yards and they're winning games which is like blowing my mind we just have a bad uh bad era right now football um but right now uh, Sean Salisbury and myself, we 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 put him in as our top guy right now because of the record, what they've done. They continue to win games one week at a time, and you can't really deny that. They beat a good Titan team last week. They put it on the Giants this week. Uh, you can't deny what they're doing, and he's being efficient. I don't believe he's being, like, uh, overly great. I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl. I don't think they have. Uh, I, I just think they're going to Who's going to win up- the
1: Super Bowl this year, J.B.?
5: That's what I'm saying. I I think it's going to be someone that none of us expect. It's going to be some off the wall. I mean, the Bengals, Bengals, in my opinion, are playing as good as anyone right now. I wouldn't want to play them or the Lions right now. now. Uh, But I can't just – Oh, I agree
1: with you about the Lions.
5: It's hard to roll off my tongue that the Lions are going to play the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is (laughs) uh, it is very, very – if I was an NFL team right now as a coach – I wouldn't want to play either one of those football teams, I'll tell you that.
1: Hmm. I agree with you. When I look around the league, I don't see greatness anywhere. But I can't deny the Eagles' 12-1 and record, and they very easily could be 13-0. and And so they've been the most consistent team. Jalen Hurts has certainly evolved and elevated as a passer I've been reluctant to want to throw him on that MVP uh, bandwagon but I, but I have to do it he, he, he is right now the deserving MVP and probably gonna run through the finish line here and be the MVP let me ask a different question as as I continue to segue into a little longer conversation I want to have maybe about Lincoln Riley but if There's something special about Jalen Hurts that I think comes from being Benstead, Alabama. And the special part of it is, hey, you got to go to Oklahoma and work with Lincoln Riley. But I also think the special is he dealt with some real adversity and dealt with it in a really mature, manly way. And I think that that is still driving him that disrespect of being benched for Tua Tung-Viola, who I guarantee you Jalen Hurts doesn't think and never thought was as good as him, I think that has driven Jalen Hurts to the next level, that disrespect that he feels like he got at Alabama. Do you agree?
5: Uh, I have a total different spin on this thing. You say 13-0 for mm. the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. I say they could easily be 8-5 and five as well. Um, If you look at the games they've won uh, at the end of the game, they could easily be eight and five team, too. So that's how bad football is right now. But the 32 touchdown thing under Jalen Hurts name is very, very uh, misconceiving. We need to stop with that because in the NFL playoffs, uh, they're going to have to he's going to have to throw the football with minimal turnovers to win the game. Let's look at his throwing touchdowns versus interceptions. That is where you win football games in the playoffs, and he's not doesn't have a huge big time touchdown to interception ratio, and that is what wins Super Bowls. He's a, he doesn't throw a lot of touchdowns, uh, Jason. If you look at it, he just doesn't uh, with his feet. Cool, but we see how Lamar Jackson ended up. We see Trey Lance. We see Justin Fields. So, having said that, uh, going to your second question about Alabama. What do you do if your quarterback's playing as bad as he was playing when he got yanked in that game? Uh, Jalen Hurts will thank Nick Saban down the line years from today. Right now, he's, he's bitter, and he thinks, okay, I got yanked. Well, you were playing horribly, and the guy that we brought in won the national title for us. What do you expect and what do you want from us? That is what our job is as the coach. Your job as the player is to perform. You did not do so. So anyway, he enters the portal and transfers. And I can honestly say out of those quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley's coached, he is the one with the highest character. And I'm only saying that because he was at Alabama, the longest inside of a structured environment where you couldn't allow you, you couldn't be, uh, the sour apple in the batch. And you can go to Oklahoma and you can be, you know, uh, the the piece of turd that you are and you can show out and do all these things. I believe Jalen Hurts is the only kid with any type of character that uh, that that Lincoln Riley has coached to date and everyone else that he's coached has been absolutely. Uh, the word I use is shitbird but I don't want to use that on your show, but I just did. Uh, They are very bad uh, (laughs) character kids. You can see it from Baker to Kyler Murray, and now you got the Caleb Williams kid who puts FU Utah on his nails. Well, guess what, Jason? Somebody allowed that to happen, and that's called – that person is Lincoln Riley, and he's allowed a lot more than he's coached. And I'm tired of hearing the quarterback guru, quarterback whisperer, You are the quarterback inheritor. You inherit great quarterbacks. You don't build them up and recruit them from scratch and coach them and turn them into Heisman Trophy winners. You inherit them. They're already developed. You actually – I can argue you make them as – you can make them – I can argue you make them into worse character kids than they were when they got there. So uh, you have been a
1: very, very – he has been a very – Benefic- You've blown my mind, JB. You've blown my a- mind. You give a lot of takes that 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 shock me. You've now blown my mind. I'm just the man this- took a midget and Kyler Murray and made him a Heisman Trophy winner. The, didn't he take Baker Mayfield another midget and made him the Heisman Trophy winner? How's that working Jaylen out? Jalen Hurts fails. I, I get. We talking about what he did in college, Jalen Hurts we're switching to Lincoln Riley now because he done got ahead of me. (laughs) Jalen Hurts, you know, gets benched at Alabama and then comes over and finishes second in the Heisman race. And now this Caleb Williams goes to USC and wins the Heisman. And you're going to take a dump on Lincoln Riley? How? Because we don't, anyone can do that in
5: college. These guys are doing it every year. What do they guys end up being? What are their guys – what is, what is Lincoln Riley won? Please, I'll wait. I'll wait till you tell me what he's won in college football.
1: Three Heisman trophies. <laughs> and, and guess what? Which one and a of those big kids, contract. What's one of those kids did
5: he recruit out of high school and mold into the Heisman winner? Or did they already come fully developed when he got them? I'll wait.
3: Well, hold on a second, JB. I thought, where was
1: Caleb Williams
3: at? He was, in he Oklahoma. was at Oklahoma. He recruited him at, at Oklahoma, I think.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, but Behind a second B- ago, B- you were just, say that again, JB?
5: Behind Rattler, oh, I another S-bird.
3: Well, I, get, I got it. But a second ago, you were defending why Jalen Hurts sucked and that he needed to move on. And go somewhere else, and that's why he was replaced, and then Lincoln Riley got him, and then he was really, uh, really you
5: know, good. He my mouth. When did I say he's supposed to leave? I never said he should have left. I said he came from. No, an no, inter- I, I got, my, my point was that he got replaced. Yes.
3: Yeah, so you're saying he wasn't playing well and he wasn't very good. And then he, told, he finished second in the Heisman. There's a guy that he took he inherited who wasn't playing very well, certainly wasn't an NFL starter at that point, and he moved all the way up into the second. Uh, finishing second in the Heisman. He's done that with a few different guys. Whether you recruited him out of high school, if when they get to you, they turn into Heisman Trophy winners or runner-ups, you're doing something right, right?
5: No, you're not. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> you, you played big boy football, man. You know better. Like these kids have, would have won the Heisman somewhere else. Let me, let me break down this misnomer that's out there. Everyone, I love when I hear Jalen Hurts would not have been an NFL player if he didn't go to Oklahoma. Can we please put an end to this BS? He played and started at Alabama. He was getting drafted. Please stop with the BS that if he didn't go to Oklahoma, he wouldn't be a quarterback in the NFL. Yes, he would. He was going to get drafted. Okay, go ask any NFL scout or college coach if he was going to be okay leaving Alabama and not going to Oklahoma. Let's stop with the narrative that he had to go to Oklahoma. No, he did not. He played at Alabama and started there. He won there. Like, come on, man. Let's miss miss me with this BS that he had to go to Oklahoma and play for Lincoln Riley. No, he didn't. Because Lincoln Riley's track record when the quarterback leaves him is trash. Kyler Murray is trash. Baker Mayfield is trash. And Caleb Williams will be the second coming of Kyler Murray. Mark my words. So. I'm just telling you, we have a guy who inherits quarterbacks that have already been developed and runs a system that is conducive for quarterbacks who are athletic, who can get the ball out quickly in an RPO system, run a little triple option, and have freaks of nature wideouts around him in college, similar to what Ohio State does with their quarterback. What Ohio State quarterbacks flourish in the NFL? You have to start equating these things to the next level to really give me somebody. I can call out Jeff Tedford and say he's a quarterback whisperer. He's had a lot of success leaving him going to the NFL. And there's been other guys too. Lincoln Riley's not one of those guys. I'm sorry.
1: So, JB, let's say that there are dads at home watching this or moms and their son is a quarterback and their son took mom dad i'd like to win the heisman trophy and and get drafted high in the nfl you wouldn't tell them hey you should send them to lincoln riley
5: i wouldn't but that's a whole nother deal but these parents send these guys to quarterback academies all over the country and spend fifteen hundred dollars for you to line up 100 guys and take a drop back three step and say okay good job Well, you're not very smart and you don't really do a lot of research. (laughs) So you spend a lot of money and waste it. And that's why we have 50,000 kids in the transfer portal, too. So if that's going to be your question, then, yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting one because we have a lot of people out here who refuse to do research. And then when the going gets tough, guess what they do? They enter the portal, they run and, and hide. And then the parent does nothing but say, "Okay, you can leave if you want. And. Uh, it blows my mind. No, I wouldn't send him there. But guess what? Uh, I want to know a quarterback that he's developed from scratch that has created and had success. Caleb Williams. Uh, Caleb Williams is is this one right now. He brought from Oklahoma. Uh, We're going to see what ends up happening after he leaves SC. He has another year. And I'm going to tell you right now on record, because I'm already hearing whispers out here in L.A. He may opt out to sit the whole season next year. Because of hurting his draft status, which is another huge implication on what his character is truly like. After the FU Utah fingernails and after I've seen a bunch of body language and after I've talked to coaches who I know on that staff, I know he's just another Kyler Murray waiting to happen. And if he sits out next year, don't be surprised. And I just want to know when this is all going to stop. When is the NCAA going to get involved? When is this going to become a... uh, it's a mockery already as it is, but when are we going to in, put it into this thing? Because why, why, allow him to sit if he's already been out two years and you're going to redshirt him or whatever? That's going to be your three-year rule in the NFL out of high school. Um, is it really like? Is this really the way we're headed? Like, is this what we want? We're just going to sit a guy and still draft him that highly? See, if I was the NFL, I wouldn't even draft a kid if he's not going to play uh, his allotted years because we just don't know what we're getting in a year. We just don't, and that's what's happening. I, I, in-
1: had, a, I had a producer, John Hadley, <clears throat> who this morning said, Caleb Williams is the greatest draft prospect since John Elway. Now, I, I hung up the phone on him and, and told him he was stupid, but <laughs> he said it. He, he sees Caleb Williams as this great NFL talent does he have great NFL talent and you just think he has a bad personality? Or do you think his talent's overrated and his personality is going to be a detriment as well?
5: It's funny. The same guy called me, John Hadley, and I hung up on him too. So, Oh, pretty good. Weird.
1: Good. Uh, good.
5: I I don't think he equates to the NFL. He's another undersized guy with a quick release, but doesn't have the big-time arm talent as far as throwing in the NFL. When the hash marks change in the NFL, and you have to throw an 18- to 15-yard comeback across the formation and across the field on time against press man, Um, You can't rely on only throwing fade balls and running RPO like they do in college right now. The only thing that I do give Lincoln Riley credit for um, his offensive formations are very, very similar to what the NFL does. He does a lot of two tight end swap trades, motions shifts. He does a lot of things with tight ends where all these other spread option teams and RPO teams are running basically spread formation, 10, 11 personnel Uh, At least Lincoln runs some things, gets him under center. So at least I hope that they are a little bit more prepared for the NFL than the average guy that's out here in college that we see across college football that are just strictly 99.9% in the gun. Don't take a center QB exchange. Uh, Don't know how to take a drop under center. Don't run play action mechanics. I'll give you that. I think think he's a little more advanced than – a lot of these other kids that are running similar systems. Now, having said that, if you look at him and look at Kyler Murray in college, they're very, very similar. They're athletic. Obviously, he's not as quick as a cat as Kyler is. He doesn't have the arm strength Kyler has either. Um, obviously, being a first-round draft pick in baseball tells you that his arm is, is incredible, Kyler Murray's is. But he is. it's yet to be determined if he can dissect, decipher, be cerebral in the understanding of what the nfl entails which is understanding protections formations calling out coverages rotational coverages cloud sky who's on the roof safety wise all these different things that is yet to be determined because we just don't know until they get to the nfl and then you don't know either because of what team drafts him and we see a lot of quarterbacks who i thought were going to be okay but they implode because of the nfl franchise they get drafted to. And that also hurts a lot of these young kids who are expected to come right in and be the guy. And it's just it's unfortunate to put that onus on these kids because these franchises are bad. We continue to just draft quarterback after quarterback just to fill the stands and get that money. JB,
1: JB, at at the Heisman Heisman Trophy ceremony this past weekend... uh Caleb Williams said he still has a lot to prove and was looking forward to next season. So, you know, maybe agents or somebody gets in his ear and talks him into something different. But, but, TJ, help me out here. JB doesn't like Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. He doesn't like Lincoln Riley. He doesn't like Caleb Williams. He doesn't like Baker Mayfield. He doesn't like Caleb Murray. JB, who do you like? Joe
5: Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, I to pick first to start my franchise with. Anyone else that wants to fight me on that, please let me hear your argument. He is the only one that I take right now, unequivocally, without question, without hesitation. Burrow's the guy I take. He is the closest thing to Brady, Rodgers, Manning. Elway, all these guys, Marino, A hit that
1: transfer portal, didn't he?
5: He did after after not yeah. an
1: expert. He hit that transfer. Yeah, he hit that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
5: mean, yeah, we can point out two guys that hit the portal that had success. Yeah. How many <laughs> how many don't have success? How about that? How about mm-hmm, point I'm out? That <laughs> hey, by I'm the saying. way,
1: mm-hmm. just, there's a stat yeah. that's
5: out there. Fifty-eight percent of the kids that enter the portal in the over the last three years. End up nowhere. Juco, D2, D3. That's where they end up. So, please, we got to start spreading the word. The Porto ain't the business. And uh, it's really crippling college football as we know it, which is spiraling into NFL football because these kids that enter the Porto in college think that the NFL now is a player-driven league and I can demand a trade even though I got four years under, I'm under contract for four more years. It's because of the portal. And I'm just telling you, but, this thing is going to end college football as we know it here in the next few years.
1: JB, let me ask you one more thing before I let you go. I was gonna ask this earlier, but then you started taking a dump on Lincoln Riley and you, you, you sent me a different direction. Tua Viola. the shine seems to be coming off of him. Uh, his lack of arm strength seems to be showing up. Uh, what 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 do you think's going on with Tua? Is it is it him? Is it the system? Is he is he is he going to be the long-term starter in Miami?
5: I mean, I, the good part about me having a show before you is I have receipts and I have all this factual evidence <laughs> that the eye in the sky don't oh. lie, and I think that's why I do not renig, Jason. I never renig. I've never had to renig play in playing a game of spades, poker, you name it. I stay with my poker face. I keep with my convictions. And you can go back and look it up. Tua is not very good. I've been saying it, I've said it. He does not have an NFL arm. When the going gets tough, he's going to implode. He's not accurate. People, I, I, I can't. I love hearing this. He's accurate. No, he's not. And uh, I'm just going to be honest. Uh, what's happening right now is the same thing that's going to happen to Brock Purdy in a few weeks. Quit anointing these guys after a few weeks after they've done a few good things and starts calling them the next goat. We see it far too often. Please let these guys' resumes develop and prove themselves. Two is not the guy. I don't believe he'll be an NFL starter for long. I've said that for, for two years now. I'm not changing my conviction. He just doesn't have it. He's not as athletic, as gifted as a lot of these other guys who can get out of trouble and help his arm with his feet. He cannot do it. His arm is—he's a, a stiff. Uh, He's a stiff sitting back there. He can't run anymore because his next hit he he gets, he's going to be working at Walmart. And we all know that um, I've said it for a long time. So I just don't believe he's a guy that can do it consistently. Uh, the, The team understands that. The coach understands that. And now the more important question, Jason, is this coach that a lot of people, myself included, call weird expletive. Uh, I want to know how he handles the locker room now once you start losing football games, because you and I know in the NFL crying and speeches and uh, all these things don't really matter when you're making a lot of money and you're a grown person. You got to win games in the NFL. It's result oriented business. And now I want to see how they adapt and how they respond to this coach who a lot of people think is a little bit on the weird side. I want to see how this thing works out, because now I don't believe they're a playoff team.
1: So, JB, as we let you go, I'm going to, you know, at one point, I don't know if you caught this, TJ, but he called you a big-time player, and I was very insulted by that.
3: He said big-time ball. Obviously, I I didn't really take part in that, but I was on a team. He said you
1: played big-time ball. I was Mm -hmm. really offended by it. I took that as a shot at me. I thought he was – I mean, Taking a shot SEC. at me as a mid-major player. Uh, I know, but uh, are, are you saying I didn't play big-time balls? I'm just saying, JB. Well, you know, I'm Missouri in my Le- high school's. Le- play. I'm hey, in Missouri- my high school's effing Hall of Fame. Uh, no different than, you know, Shannon Sharp. Yeah, I feel like you got a little Skip Bayless energy going right now. You're trying to take control of me right now. Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, hey, Shannon Shannon told me you were a baller, man. Shannon told me you were a baller. Not Shannon <laughs> Sharp, by the way. Another Shannon that Jason and I both know. Shannon told me you were a baller. Yeah. So I got to go with it. And Missouri wasn't in the SEC, uh, Jason. So I'm going to say you you played at a higher level at that time because, you know,
1: i uh, was I'm that the Mizzou. captain on an SEC team. No, he was at Mizzou. They were, they were in the SEC his last year. He yeah. was the captain of the team. I'm just saying, you come on and you call TJ a big-time baller. I've never heard you say that about me. I was a little offended by that, but I'm going to let it slide this time. I'm not going to snap on you the way Shannon Sharp snapped on. Uh, have you seen that, JB? Have you seen Shannon uh, Sharp snap on, on uh, uh, Skip Bayless today? No, again? Yeah, hold, hold, hold on. <laughs> get the clip, the one from today. We'll play it for JB and get his final thoughts, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. Play the clip of uh, Shannon Sharp and Skip
0: still playing at a high level at 45 when you had to stop at 35 Skip, that's what you that's do. the point that's what you do every time somebody every time i call something in question i'm jealous no Skip, i did no, what i, I never did. said you were jealous of baker mayfield Skip, i did what i did you make it seem like i was a bum i'm in the effing hall of fame okay, i so got three what? super bowls so what So what? he's way better than you were i'm better way than better. you Skip, i gotta see what <laughs> you do you take personal shots no. for the I, don't, I don't take personal oh, shots time you time started time it time out You would take a personal shot at me. I didn't take a personal personal shot at you. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? You would take a personal (laughs) shot. Glasses
4: back on.
0: Can I finish? You're willing to take a personal shot at me to say this man is better than me because I say he's playing bad this year? Yeah, well, because you, 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 dis, Go you, ahead. you disrespect him. It, it's just so
4: it, – so you, dis- you know him. what? It's beneath your you dignity. You would disrespect me to no, support him. No. Well, I'll, I'll support him over anybody because he's the greatest player who ever have played your game, and it's by have far. At it. Have at it. Have okay? it. Take off, bro. I'm going to have at it.
1: Mmm. <laughs> Uh, I like the man, Crips and the Bloods, JB. Hey, you know how that is, man. That's all from
5: clickbait. Um, those guys are out having a cigar right now, one of my cigars, probably. Uh, let me ask you this. What happened to Brett Favre?
1: <laughs> what about just, Brett Favre?
5: Hey, Dion's taking a lot of heat, but Brett Favre seems to have escaped all the heat. Crazy how that works.
1: I ain't got time for a what about bread farm conversation, JB. Mm-hmm. Dion's in Colorado with the Snow Bunnies and uh, $6 million in his pocket. He's very happy right now. Uh, hey, Tracy man. Edmonds probably won't be happy.
5: <laughs> right? Probably right. All right.
1: Uh, anyway, let's play tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: Nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter,
5: striking like a ladder. Making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom.
4: No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just wanna have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, i my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving, all deceiving, we all wanna be free. We want freedom. I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just want, I wanna be, I just
1: want, I wanna be, I just Wow